So I just wanted to tell you that after last week, I got excited about what the Lord's going to do here at the Hope. You may not know this, but I'm going somewhere with these messages, and I'm really trusting that the Lord is building uh, one stone upon another stone, and of course we know who the foundation is, we know who the cornerstone is, none other than Jesus Christ. So last week, I talked about know thyself, so this week is part two of that, and of course, when I finish today's message, there will be more. However, I just want you to understand that it's going to be a few weeks before I get back to this. But when I come back, my plan is to really give you some tools that you can use to discover who you are in Christ, all right? And you'll see more about that as we return. But I just wanted to mention again, last week I talked about one of the key things, and, and as I'm doing my leadership courses do you know what the number one thing is that they require of a good leader? You're not going to believe it. I was shocked when I read it. Anybody? Humility. Being humble. And I was like, wow, that's really good because that's exactly what the Apostle Paul said. He said, you need to what? Humble yourself. He said, you need to know yourself to the place where you don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think more of yourself than you should. And that's what happens in the kingdom of God. We, don't, we all realize that everything we have that's any good is from God. Everything. If we have a gift or a talent, it's from Him. If we're prospering, it's because of Him. How many agree? Amen. Amen. So that's why I asked you to humbly consider what gifts you have, what makes you tick, what are your likes and dislikes, and, and I'm doing something here. I'm not just having you do stuff just for the fun of it. I'm trying to get you to see who you really are, and here's why. If you, get, if you understand your likes and dislikes, if you understand what makes you tick, it's a lot easier to identify the giftings that God has given you. Because those giftings will line up with who you are. They don't just, God doesn't just drop them into your lap. Oh, hey, you're going to be a teacher this week. It doesn't happen like that. He develops you over time. And I've talked about this before. For Moses, 80 years before he actually took control of the leadership God destined him to take. But up to that point, he was developed and built upon. God did that. Amen? I also asked you to ask the Lord, where do you want me to stretch my faith so that I can grow? That was key. That was critical. Where, and you need to con continue to ask the Lord that question. Where, Lord, do you want me to stretch my faith? Is that a question that we want to ask? Most of us are like, I'm not asking him, he's going to tell me. <laughs> it's like asking for patience. He's going to give you opportunity to prove that. Right? Right. And then I also said this, as a cap, just capping last week. If you do not know who you are and what you are made of, how can you know what you have been made for. And listen, this is ageless. 
Our young people, parents, grandparents, our young people need guidance as to how God wants to use them. We need to look into their lives and say, you know what? You have this gifting. You have the gift of encouragement. You have the gift of kindness. You have the gift of giving. Our sons exhibit a lot of those without me naming names. But we identified them early. Like, I'm talking like when they were four or five, six years old, we started to see evidence of this. And we didn't just go, oh, look, they have the gift of giving. We encouraged them in that gifting. And that's what parents do, that's what grandparents do in the Lord, is we encourage our children to grab hold of whatever God's put in them so that they can be conscious of what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in their life, and they're not just floundering around, yeah, I wonder what God's going to do with me next. Give them a clue. What do you see in them that God wants to use to his glory? Can anybody get a witness? Or is it just me? So I wanted to go back to Romans chapter 12 today, and I'm going to begin in verse 4. And I just wanted you to know that you can also find the giftings in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, and then again uh, in Ephesians, in Ephesians, I'm sorry, 4. So those are the chapters you'll find other giftings, and even those are not necessarily all-encompassing. What God wants to give you may be unique and specific to you, but this is a list that you can look at and go, huh, I might have that, I might have that, I might have that. So I wanted to read this, if you'll allow me to, verses 4 through 8, and then I'm going to pray. You ready? Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Poke your neighbor and say, we all belong to each other. Isn't that good news? We're not alone in this mess. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. And then the final verse, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Would you bow your heads? Father, it's our prayer today that you would use the strong words found in the Bible, Lord, to build us up, to grow us up. Help us to absorb and apply this message. May we see that we are one body in Christ, that we belong to each other, Lord. May we look at the Scriptures today humbly, and as you help us discover our giftings, Lord, encourage us to build up the believers, to build up this church. And Lord, we pray this in your most holy name. And we also pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Say this with me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. God has a plan for this church. 
for the church. Now today, if you watch the news, you'll see a portion of the church struggling. I mentioned earlier Haiti, our brothers and sisters in Haiti. Do you look at them that way? Our brothers and sisters in Haiti were hurting. There are many Christians in Haiti. And we often lose track of where we all reside. We think because we've got this boundary of the United States of America around us that that's it. Let me ask you, is that being humble? We think that we have all the answers because we have the Bible, because it's written in English in our version. Do you know how many people on this planet speak either a little bit or any English? 25%. It's not the most popular language. We think that because we're English-speaking that everyone else should speak English. Well, you come to this country, you better learn English. <laughs> Is that being humble? There are places where God takes us and he, he says this to us, to our spirit. He says, listen, they can teach you as well. Hello? You're not the only one that has it down. Do you know where the most growth in the kingdom of God is on this planet? Somebody said it. Africa and South America. Those two continents contribute to more Believers, in the last decade, 600 million. That's a lot of people. The United States has been losing ground. Not so much in the assembly, and I believe there's a reason for that. It's because the churches that are Pentecostal rely on the Holy Spirit, not themselves. If we ever shut the door to the Holy Spirit, we're, it's the death knell to the church. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he does and does well, to gift us and to be a part of that gifting, to use those gifts to the glory of God. We've got to help encourage one another. We're in this together. But where I was going with this is this. We've got a lot of brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, some who aren't going to get out. And we need to keep them in our prayers. It's not just Afghanistan. There are people all over the globe that are being persecuted because of their faith in Christ. But that just happens to be where we've been seeing this in the news lately. So it just means more to us right now. But we need to keep all of our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted in our prayers. We could be the next group that is fighting for our faith. That for you to say Jesus might require your... And I'm sorry, I know there are kids in here, but I'm just trying to be real. We don't know what's next for this country. But I do know this, we serve a big God. And he is more than able to establish his church. And the gates of hell will 
not prevail against it. Hallelujah. That's his promise to us. So I want to go back. I want to look back at verse 4 and 5, and I'm, I'm just going to read it again, each, each verse or passage, and then talk about that just briefly. So back to where I was. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Now, you don't probably think of anybody in the church being a, an armpit. I couldn't do it because I've got a t-shirt on. The kids would have liked that, though, if I had been able to make that noise. Do you ever think of somebody in the church being an armpit? A lot of truth being peddled here today. How do you really feel, Jeff? <laughs> we are all different each one of us, but every part is needed. You may think your part's insignificant, but I can promise you it is not. When I kicked that tub in the dark the other night, and my toe found that tub in the dark, that toe meant something. I wasn't thinking a lot about it before that, but I realized just how important that toe was. Anyhow, Usually it isn't until you're missing it or until you've heard it that you realize how important it is, right? Let's not be that way with the church. Let's recognize ahead of time how important each, each person in this room is. Those online, listen, you're missed. I know that you enjoy watching this at home online. For some of you, you have no other choice. But for those who can be here, Listen, make this the practice because something is happening here in the physical and you're not going to receive the same anointing, the same kind of influence if you're at home. And, and I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying from my heart, it's important that we're here together in these last days. And, and I'm starting to say that more and more. We need each other. And often we think, well, you know, my gifting, uh, they don't need my gifting. And I'm trying to tell you, yes, we do. We need every gift in the church. And we need an abundance of those gifts if we're going to do what we're called to do. One of the beautiful things is when my wife and I were ministering as lay people in Lansing, Michigan many years ago, we watched this church grow from 200 to 500 to 2,000 to 5,000. And the numbers mean nothing, but what we saw un behind the scenes were all of these people who Pastor Dave convinced through the Word of God, through pace-setting leadership, that they were capable of being lay leaders. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be credentialed with the Assemblies of God or some other organization. You just need to be faithful. And we learned that. And what ended up happening, and I just shared this with one of the brothers this morning, was that we had one of the most dynamic hospital visitation teams. When somebody went in the hospital, 
we had so many people visiting that the nurses and the doctors would go, oh, they're here again. (laughs) But you know what a nurse told us? She took us aside one day and she said this. She said, listen, I don't know what it is about you guys, but she said, when your people come in here, they heal quicker. They leave the hospital faster. While they're here, they're nicer to be around. Why? Because we were there praying for them. Lay ministers praying for them, trusting God. So they had the family fellowship, they had the healing fellowship all over them, and they came out of there quicker. And that ministered to the nurses and to the doctors. Nobody could deny that. That's what it means to equip the church. That's what it means when everybody starts to use the gifts that God has given them. Amen? Can the ear hear? Yes. Can it see? No. Can the eye see? Can it hear? No. Do, we, do both need the other? Yeah, you need to hear when your mom's sneaking up behind you as you're trying to take a cookie. Otherwise, you're going to get what? Upside. No, they wouldn't do that to you. Let me ask you this. Is one part more important than the other? No. Do all parts of the body belong to the other parts? Yes, we just read that, didn't we? I'd like to remind you of verse 3 again, and I've already talked about this, but this is Paul's warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Paul was addressing how some felt they were more spiritual than others because of the gifting that God had given them. And I'm not picking on a gift, but it it seems to happen more with, like, prophecy, all right? Um, Only because God spoke through me. Does he speak through you? No? Oh. You get where I'm going with that? Is that being humble? (laughs) Some might think that the gift they have makes them superior. I have the gift of prophecy. I speak for God. Bow to me, insignificant slug that you are. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm making that up. I'm not picking on prophets either. We need prophets. More prophets. We, I'm telling you, if you have the gift of prophecy, talk to me. We need prophets and prophetesses. Nobody does that, what I just pointed out. But I just wanted you to see how ridiculous it is that we would think that whatever gift we have given to us by God would make us more superior than someone else. We're all part of the same body. None of us is superior. And like speaking down to people or leaving them out of our conversations can allude to the fact that we think we're superior. Those are things that we need to be careful not to do. You ever walked up on a conversation and just felt like, man, I didn't belong there? That shouldn't happen in the church. Somebody walks up on you, they ought to be welcomed into the conversation. If you're saying things that shouldn't be said, You shouldn't say them, probably. That's not the way of Christ. 
We're equals in Christ. And we need to be cordial to one another. We need to treat each other with, if I can use the word equality, because this is the one place where people are equal. Christ, in my opinion, leveled the playing field. You know, I've been reading about some of the amazing things God did, and when you think about how Peter had to go into a Gentile's home, that was unheard of. He got rebuked for it later. It wasn't the fact that he told them about Jesus Christ. It wasn't the fact that they got saved and that they started speaking in tongues. That didn't bother them. What bothered them was that Peter went into a Gentile's home, an unclean home. And Jesus said, nah, I came to level the playing field. In Galatians 3.28, Paul said this, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We're all a part of the body of Christ. None of us has special place in the kingdom. That doesn't mean that there isn't authority. All right? Don't get me wrong what I'm saying here. God does give positions of authority to certain people, and that is just to keep the balance so that things don't get too crazy. Paul was one of those. He was an apostle. Paul said that we're all needed because each gift is unique. I talked about that a little bit last week, about the snowflake. How much more does God equip his people with unique gifts? God equips us with those gifts because they're needed in the local church. He doesn't waste his time. If he gives a gift, it's because that gift is needed. And you are expected to use it. Listen, this this part, I, I hope it doesn't shipwreck too many of you. You and I are gifted for a body of believers. We're gifted for a body of believers. Now, if you're an evangelist, that means you're going to travel. But you know what I've, evangelists who I've spoken with, you know what they tell me? I still belong to a local church. I'm still accountable to a pastor. All right? Put another way, there's one body where we belong and are destined to grow and mature in Christ. If we're in the wrong body, then we could end up being unhappy, causing problems, which I've seen, and becoming bitter and even broken. It's important that we discover where God wants us. Where God wants us to put roots down. What local body does he want us to, and I emphasize this, serve? Where does God want me to serve? Where does he want you to serve? When people jump back and forth between churches, they're doing themselves and the churches a disservice. Most people who exhibit this behavior are trying to avoid getting involved. They don't want the commitment level. As soon as commitment is mentioned, they run from it. 
if they don't put roots down and get established in one church family, they'll never grow in the faith and the giftings that God has given them. Not only does this affect the adults, but their children will never grow. If every time the adult gets an itch, they leave that church and move to another. What does that say to the child? When things get tough, when you don't like something, just pick up and leave and go somewhere else. Give up. But some lessons to be learned come with a price. That means that you stick it out when things get ugly. You don't give up. You hunker down. You fast and pray if necessary. And you seek the Lord. What does he want you to do in that situation? And listen, he uses difficult situations to teach us. Not everything God teaches us is going to come in the warm and the fuzzy. You're not always going to like the way God teaches you. Sometimes he takes a hard situation and he makes it even harder. So that you'll learn something from him. You might be the one that God wants to use to bring stability to that local church so that it doesn't unravel at the seams. And I've seen this both ways. I've seen those who came in and helped keep the church from blowing up, and I've seen churches where the people came in and they helped the church blow up. The blessing comes from those who remain. So here's my main point. Discover where the Lord wants you. Commit to it no matter what. Can you say that with me? Discover where the Lord wants you. Commit to it no matter what. We all belong to one another. What unites us? Thank you. (laughs) John's back there. Finally, I got it in right. Christ holds us together. He's the glue. Everything he said, the way he lived, we can model after him. And if we do, we will be a success as a Christian, as a believer. The beauty of the body of Christ, and I've said this already, it bears witness. The beauty of the body of Christ is that no one is better than anyone else. You talk about social justice. I've been hearing a lot about that lately. If the church did its job, this wouldn't even be an issue. What would we do if one of those big Hercules planes dropped off 500 Afghan refugees in Gaylord, Michigan next week? Others? You're all like, I ain't doing nothing. (laughs) Gonna hide in my house. What would we do? Good. Not only thank you, comfort them. A lot of what I've been reading is, is about multi going back and forth. This, this international thing. Do you know that you can communicate with somebody on the other side of the globe right this very minute on your iPhone or your droid? 
You can talk to somebody that speaks another language right now on the other side of the planet by using a, a, a program that translates what you're saying and translates what they're saying. How cool is that? We're bigger now than we used to be. It used to be that the church was this little teeny thing. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We're at the ends of the earth right now. Some of those ends of the earth are coming to us now because they need a place to live. And I, I'm just throwing this out. This wasn't in my notes, but it's been on my heart. We need to be prepared to be the church. And these people, they are people. They need to hear the truth if they haven't already. They need to know who Jesus Christ is. And we can help them with that. But before that, we need to love them and accept them for who they are. And as I started out with, we need to learn from them too. They have things to say. Things that we can learn that God wants to show us through them. Are you still with me? Over time, this idea of uh, social justice has been lost. We need to bring it back to the church. We're all interdependent upon each other. We need each other. Nobody is an island in the body of Christ and to grow. We need to rely on others to become mature and to grow. Romans 12:6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Now, let me go back to that. In His grace, what does that mean? God chooses. All right? God knows what's best for you, what's best for me. God chooses the gifts that you're going to get. Can we trust Him? Can we trust Him to give us the better gifts that are better for us? Yes, we can. And that's what it's saying. And then it says God has given us different gifts. So the gift that John has is going to be different from the gift that Ken has. That's going to be the way it is. And that doesn't mean, Ken, that, that your gift is more superior to John's or vice versa. We are all needed. Every gift in this room is needed. It's necessary. God wouldn't put it in here if it wasn't necessary. We didn't need it. Why would he waste his time? He wouldn't. All right? If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. Again, we're looking at two giftings here, serving and teacher. But first, I want to just go back. All right. The gift of prophecy is one gift that needs to be affirmed. Why? Because it can easily be misused. The early church, they experienced this a lot. All right. That's why it's talked about so much. Where somebody supposedly speaking for God, they would speak up when it wasn't really from the Lord. To counter that, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, 
he said, let two or three people prophesy and then let the others evaluate what's said. What does that say? That says that the other prophets are going to agree or disagree with what was said, but also the body. It's important. This is a body of Christ. And we all need to confirm that what was said was from the Lord. Can I get a witness? In other words, everybody listen to the message that came from the prophet and then determine in their own heart, was that from God? And if it was, then what do you do with it? Apply it. If it wasn't, what do you do with it? Chuck it, somebody said. <laughs> the Apostle John went into more detail in 1 John 4.1. He said, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the spirit that they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. And I'm only pointing this out, and I could go, this actually goes through verse 6 where it talks about uh, exactly what they were dealing with. They, there was this teaching back then that, and it was heretical of course, that Jesus wasn't really here. He was just using the body to cast his image through it was called docetism or dualism. And obviously that's from the pit of hell. Jesus was in that body. The incarnate was there. God was flesh. The Bible declares that over and over. So we know that not to be truth. So we're to test the Spirit. Make sure that what is said lines up with Scripture. Anything that is said, and there are some veins of... Uh, teaching that are coming out today that say they take authority over Scripture. You hear anybody saying that nonsense, you turn them off, you shut them off, you walk away from them. Because that is not truth. It will line up with the Logos, the Word of God, if it is from God. But we, what I want you to understand if you feel like God's giving you this gift of prophecy. Hear this part. I don't want you to fear speaking out. But I do want you to be conscious of what you're doing. The Holy Spirit will never make you do anything. And you have the ability to control how you present something. The Holy Spirit will give you the word and then it's up to you how you're going to release that to the, to the body. But don't be offended if, if somebody comes to you after and says, well, or during, and says, well, I think that might be a little off. I've only had to do that once in 19 years. That that was not from the Lord. Because we knew it wasn't from the Lord. What I want you to realize is that when you are a prophet, you walk in humility. If you make a mistake, if, if you say things that are not in the light of Scripture, are not confirmed, own it. Own it and say, all right, hey, I'm going to do better next time. We want you to Practice the gift of prophecy. It's better if it's in a small group so that those around you can gently 
talk to you. But if it's in the bigger body, if, if somebody gets out, out there, you might be stopped, all right? Depends on what's said. But don't let that spirit of fear get in you because God did not give you a spirit of fear. He gave you one of power, love, and a sound mind, all right? And recognize that you will make mistakes. They happen. Is that okay? If we want people to move in these different areas of the spirit giftings, we better expect they're not always going to be. Sometimes the flesh is going to get in there. And I, I've, I've been around people that got really excited. You know what I'm saying? Let God be God. Let Him use you. What's going to happen if you do? As you use this gift, you're going to be quicker to hear from Him. It's going to be more accurate. And eventually you're going to be known as the prophet or prophetess of God. People are going to know that what you say is from heaven. And you know what's going to happen after that? The church is going to grow. We need that. We need all the gifts, not just prophecy. And why am I bringing this one out? Because it's one of the most visible. We need servants as well, right? We also need teachers. Chris Myers was a servant and a teacher. You don't go in and change diapers if you're not a servant. And we taught in our nursery. It wasn't just babysitting. And the same structured oversight for the prophet was also the same for the teacher. The Apostle James said this in James 3, 1 and 2. And I had to laugh when I read this. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now there are times I wish that James hadn't said this, because few people come to me going, hey, I want to teach. This is why. But listen to his next, he almost said it, right? And remember what I said about the Greek? There are no periods, all right? This is run-on. We put the periods in. Indeed, we all make, what? Did you catch that? He's talking to people about being a teacher. Not many should want to be a teacher because they're held at a, 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 a stricter place and we all make mistakes. That's how I see it. And then he goes on about the tongue. If the man could control his tongue. What's he saying there? He says, before you speak, you better know what you're going to say. Don't be one of those guys that speaks before they think. Think before you speak. Especially those who are called to teach the principles and truths of God. Because people's eternal lives are staked on that. That's why it's so important that teachers know what they're going to say. Knowing what they're going to say in part means that you understand at least generally what Scripture says. That The Scriptures are our boundary. They're, they're what keep us in the right path as we teach others. 
If children are taught from a young age to hate, they will hate when they're adults. That's why it's so important for teachers to know that what they're saying comes from God. If you look at what's going on in Afghanistan today, it's because people were taught at a young age, two years old and up, how to hate. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not the body of Christ. We must be better than that. We're to teach that God loves these people. All people. The final verse I'm going to read today. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. That last one is also uh, showing mercy toward others. Sometimes it's difficult when you're dealing with, with certain people that have an addictive situation and, and you see that person again and again. And, and a person that doesn't have the gift of mercy will say, you know what, I tried. You're not getting any better. Get out of here. That's not who they need. <laughs> they need the person with that gift of mercy. Make sense? And do it gladly. Do we need encouragers in the church? <laughs> do we need more givers? Yes. Do we need more people to step up with leadership ability? Definitely. You know, years ago we had what we called small groups that was called common ground groups. I'm not saying we're going to start them next week, but if we had the leadership to do it, we would have more small groups. We need people who operate in kindness or acts of mercy. As I begin to close, here we go. We've got at least 10 minutes. You can stand up with me. You're all getting restless. The reason that I asked you to do an inventory last week is that you can often tell what the Lord has put in you, the giftings, by who you already are. If you're a giver, for example, you're going to know that by the fact that you are a giver. I went to a funeral last Friday for Trisha Howdy Shell's dad, and one of the things I heard over and over was the man would give you the shirt off his back if you needed it. What is that? He, he certainly modeled what Jesus was teaching. Trisha's dad had the makings of the gift of giving. Our church is one body, the body of Christ. We need each other. Each person in this room is important, whether young or old. We don't know what our little ones are going to become, who they're going to become as they represent God. But I can promise you this, 
if we stand together, if we work together, if we encourage one another in the giftings, if we allow each other to make those mistakes that we will make and just help them get back in the saddle, get back on the horse and continue using those gifts until they're, if I can use this term, perfected, we're all going to benefit. God gives us our gifts to help each other, to help grow the church, the local church. And our giftings are different because different gifts are needed in each body. What E3 needs in their church, they're going to be different giftings than what we need in this church. God knows that. He's the master. He's the creator. He's the designer. He knows what he's doing. And just to emphasize this, no one has a gift that is more important or less important than another. Some need to be tested, as I already said. But that doesn't mean we beat the person up. We don't beat the prophet up. We don't do what they did in the Old Testament. If it's wrong, we stone you. We have a little more grace and mercy, but we will hold you accountable gently, okay? How many want to see God show up at the hope? My wife and I listened to a man last night from another church in California, and One of the things he said was, he said, the reason that our church is growing and most are not is because the Holy Spirit is welcome here. And I believe that if we embrace the Holy Spirit and all that that means, and if we allow him to operate in and through us, we're going to see amazing things and people will be drawn Not to the church, but to Christ who is in us. Hallelujah. I'm going to do more of teaching on this in a few weeks, but until then, I want you to ask the Lord, and I think I had one last slide. I want you to ask the Lord, what, what did you make me for? What, what gifting have you given me? And listen, most people only have one gift. Occasionally you'll have two that are prominent. All right? That doesn't mean you're any better than anybody else if you have two. Right? <laughs> Just saying. Well, I have two gifts. How many gifts do you have? Once you hear from the Lord, I want you to practice using that gift. And if if you need help with that, talk to one of the leaders here. We'll help you with that. And finally, let God grow you up. What does that mean? We're all unique. We're all different. I don't know. I don't know how God's going to grow you up versus how he's growing me up. But I do know this. Sometimes he puts us in in a tough spot, and the only way out is to let him be God. And when we learn that little key, (laughs) we mature and we grow.
Father, we thank you again for the gifts. And I know I only spoke of a few of them today, but Lord, you know what you have in store for the people of the hope, for those listening online, for those who come back and listen to the archived message. Lord, I pray today that you would just glorify the Son in us, Lord. That as the Holy Spirit is released in this body, as we say, come, Lord, come, have your way with your people. Build us up, grow us up, mature us to be the the dynamos that you've called us to be, Lord. We pray that the ground that this church sets on, the community at large, Lord, that surrounds us, Lord, it will be influenced by the light that's in us, by the power of God that resides in us. We have been empowered by the King of kings and the Lord of lords to do great and miraculous things. And Lord, it is my prayer that each one of us would find our place in the body and that we would begin to use the gifts that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I hope you leave here excited, pumped. (laughs) What's God going to do next? Remember me talking about that maybe last year, maybe before COVID? We have to be expectant. Be expectant. Expect God to show up next Sunday and the Sunday after and the Sunday after. And not just there, but expect God to show up in your life. Wherever you go today and the rest of this week, expect God Can you say that with me? Expect God. Period. Expect God. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, expect God. You carry Jesus Christ. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere you go, the light shines. So let God. Expect God. Hallelujah. Keep them safe, Lord. We love you. Amen.